0: Listeners, and welcome to the Downright Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking. And I am your host, Philip Anthony. I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us today. Today's show is very special, by the way. And um, I hope that that Matt is feeling fantabulous. Because mm-hmm. if you have listened to my show, we talk about being fantabulous, fantastic, fabulous, put together twice as nice. Are you feeling that way today, Matt? Philip, I am feeling that way.
1: I try to feel that way as much as I possibly can.
0: (laughs) Well, that's good. Well, I'm feeling really fantastic because you're sitting across from me. It's amazing. Um, So my special guest today is the host of the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950, one of the best stations you could listen to in Minnesota and the only progressive radio station in the state of Minnesota, by the way. Matt McNeil. Welcome, Matt.
1: Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Welcome, Matt.
0: (laughs) Welcome, (laughs) Matt. Have you gotten that before?
1: (laughs) Yes, I have.
0: Uh, Anyway, as a tradition on my show, I usually ask um, my guests about uh, foundational questions about their beginnings. Sure. So, would you tell us where you were born, raised, went
1: to school, and anything like that you'd want to add? I was born here in Minnesota, Fairview-Southdale, 1968 in October. Libra's yes uh <laughs> that, i um at a very young age moved to rhode island Did and oh. yeah my, my dad worked in um with medical companies and he worked for the day corporation which was based out of providence and so i moved out there at a very young age and um was there for quite a bit of my youth up into the junior high years uh went to wickford elementary school wickford it's wickford. wicked it's wicked great wickford wickford <laughs> and of course i lived in east greenwich too uh, and I enjoyed that. Um, my dad then took a job uh, in Georgia for two years, and I lived down on Lake Lanier in Georgia, which was quite nice. Although the the racism, I I had enough of the racism. Uh, <laughs> it, oh, rural, you, you... rural Georgia is. Uh, yeah. Really? It, you, know, had, it, you experienced that? I think I was the first of? to inform them the Civil War was over. So, you know, <laughs> geez, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Didn't you see Sherman come through? You got your asses kicked. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, it was. <laughs> uh, but I lived there for two years. Then we moved back to Minneapolis. Um, my dad wanted to start his own medical company, which he did, uh Surgidine, And he, he had it up here for many years. Rudy Perpich came down and recruited him okay. to move his company up to Minnesota. And uh, so I graduated Adina High School, 1986, the Reagan 80s, and uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got here. Uh, so uh, actually, I graduated, went into the U.S. Army, uh, served in the U.S. Army, uh, came back. Thank you the- for your service. Thank by you. The way. My pleasure. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate that. Uh, uh, go U.S. Army, by the way. And then uh, I came back, went to Brown, the broadcasting school. I did the Upper Midwest shuffle and eventually ended back in Minneapolis when my wife and I decided we wanted to have some kids back in 2000.
0: Oh wow, great! So, when did you discover that you wanted to work in uh, radio, like as a broadcaster? And was there a particular person or life experience uh, that directed you towards that career?
1: Well, early on, my dad would say to me, "So, do you know who Cedric Adams is?" The, the, a long time ago he was one of the biggest radio broadcasters in the city. as a matter of fact, uh, I, North, I'm not from here by the way know, I'm he, from New York. He, Cedric, <laughs> Cedric Adams was a huge local radio celebrity, pretty much the first big media celebrity in town. right He passed away before I was born, but he was my great uncle. And, oh, wow. and he you know the Northwest Airlines uh, pilots used to say they could tell when his show went off the air at night because they literally in unison the entire Twin Cities lights went off at the same time. He was very big. And my dad always said, you know, you've got a little bit of him in you, you know, that kind of that personality. But it wasn't really until I was in the military. um, When I was in the Army, I went in as a what's called a rat rig operator. I was a 31 Charlie and they don't use the nomenclatures as they used to anymore. But 31, Charlie, uh, 31 series was communications. Charlie was rat rig, radio and teletype rig. It basically is a Humvee with a box on the back of it. We were attached to headquarters companies, and we would send you know, encrypted messages between the headquarters companies on movements and, and details and orders and stuff like that. And one day I was in the military. And the we were informed that all of our equipment was just sold to the Spanish and Greek, which, by the way, if we're ever looking for a country to beat up, Spanish and Greek, go team, go. We'll probably take care of them. Their communications are pretty weak. Anyway, <laughs> but they, they came back and they said, well, we're going to upgrade because these were old kind of radio antennas and stuff. We're going to upgrade to satellites. That was when that all came into the military. And they said, we, we'll retrain you, but you have to stay for six years. And I didn't want to do that. So I got this really unusual position where I was unemployed while being employed by the US military. I didn't really have a job while in the military. And so um, eventually I mean I worked in a few different departments but eventually I got into what's called cinder block detail where I had to move cinder blocks from one end of the motor pool to the other than busy work basically oh yeah military version of busy work. And I was in a bar one night trying to get drunk because I was just doing busy work. (laughs) And a guy named Russ Turpening comes up to me and goes, well, you've got a really good voice. Have you ever thought about doing radio? I said, well, I did radio. I said, no, I'm talking about radio because the Armed Forces Radio Network in Nuremberg was grossly understaffed. And I said, I'd love to. The next day, really without me having any other say in it, uh, the head civilian employee for the Nuremberg area, Basically made one phone call, and the next thing I know, I was attached to Armed Forces Radio Network. I eventually was doing Afternoon Drive in Nuremberg, uh, the largest radio market I'll ever work in in my entire life. I think between all the, the cities I was broadcasting to, it was like 20 million people. Wow, it really? Was, it, my first job was huge. I played Nirvana's Smell Like Teed Spirit, the first guy to ever play that in Europe. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. this
0: is the 90s, I'm this assuming. This is early 90s, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh,
1: but that, that's kind of how I got going, and I came out, and that, that was the great curse I had. I discovered exactly what I was meant to do at a young age, and so I couldn't do anything else. Right. And so that's kind of the that was the the, uh, uh, the the needle that my compass that kind of drove me in which direction I needed to go. So you were a disc jockey, basically. I was right? doing the afternoon drive. Yeah, I did. I've done music formats quite a few times. Uh, I was the top forty morning show host down at KASI KCCQ at KCCQ Hot 105 KCCQ in Ames, Des Moines for three years. Um, yeah, tell
0: us about your your okay your post-Normanberg
1: um, yeah. experience with radio. Well, I came out, went to Brown here in town, and you didn't come out. You didn't. Well, yeah, uh, I, I, did. I, I exited the military.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I I, I, I g- joke around on my show. I, I hope you're okay with. that. Oh yeah, I'm
1: <laughs> me, Mr. Rigid over here. Yeah, okay. no, you're not. No. <laughs> I, I, I exited the military. Yes, um, exactly. Went to Brown just to get the the associate's degree, just kind of get that. Um, my first job on the commercial side was an oldie station, WGEZ in Beloit, Wisconsin. I love oldies. Oh, it was, well, this station wasn't, it it was a bad station. Uh, the guy that ran it was, uh, kind of a nightmare. And I mean, it was every night where we still broadcasting that sort of thing just wasn't taking care of the station. I did though in Beloit meet my wife at that point. We were both from Minneapolis, but I needed an intern. She was working as the field and career services director over at Beloit college. I made a call. We ended up chatting. And that's how we met. We met then.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, after that, I went to a KDAO in Eldora, Marshalltown, Iowa. I was just hot AC. I was doing. So you did a doing, lot of Iowa, I, uh, I think. I did Iowa a few times. Yeah, uh, twice. <laughs> uh, great pork chops and stuff. And, I mean, it, there was, it was good for me because I've, even though I spent, a, I've spent time in smaller towns, you know, to really live in one, there was great value there. I, I could see why people enjoy raising kids and stuff in a small town, the quality of life. I get that. Mm-hmm. I could also see why they didn't. And it, it, it so it was, it was a good experience for me because it gave me the opportunity to kind of live in a different world. I did that for a year. Uh, then I went up to KKBJ up in Bemidji. I was there for a year up there. And then my wife and I decided to get married, and we said we needed a market where she just didn't want to. She had a, an advanced degree, and she just didn't want to be either a waitress or working in the bank. So she said, "We well, here are your markets. You've got to find something in one of these markets so I can get a job in my field. And so we went down to Des Moines, actually Ames, just north of Des Moines. And I was at KSI, KCCQ. Uh, was there until uh, mid-2000, and then we moved back to Minneapolis. I did Metro Traffic, uh, was Metro Traffic for a few years. And uh, after that, uh, did some weekend stuff on various stations in town um, before eventually ending up here at AM 950 in 2010. So I've been here for over 13. Yeah, 2010 was my, well, I was part, I was over at KSTP doing the postgame twins on the weekends because they had the twins at that point. And I love baseball. I can talk baseball. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, love it. And, I was uh, talking
0: about it with Brett before the show, uh, that we finally in first place there's a chance we could make it to the
1: postseason. That we can we can make it. How much yeah. we make it past that one? <laughs> well that's what we were talking about. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be making plans deep into October. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you
0: know, having you know, at least being in the first round is
1: nice. Well, yeah, I mean let's face it in Oakland and in Kansas City, World Series fever is a very treatable disease. So there's <laughs> no problem there. Uh, oh, here. So uh, we got a chance here. <laughs> uh, so I was doing there, and they, they went and they basically canned everyone uh, outside of like four people. And so it was literally two hours after I got let go by KSTP, the old owner here, Janet Robert, <laughs> called me up and said, I hear you're looking for a job. I used to do traffic for them. They knew I leaned on the, l- l- the left on politically, and said, would you like to – at that point, I took over the 6 o'clock hour. I was just doing 6 o'clock hours Monday through Friday um, and eventually moved around and where I'm today. Now I'm doing the 3 to 5 o'clock show. Um, weekday afternoons. You were here uh,
0: uh, simultane- simultaneously with Norman Goldman. Norman Goldman was
1: here. Actually, he came in when he started doing his show. It was I think a little bit after I started mine. Oh, so he yeah he was you know he was kind of filling in for for Ed, if I remember correctly. He was filling in for Ed on Atlanta, oh, and then right. he got his own he got his own show.
0: Mike McEntee as uh, Well,
1: Ma- McEntee was here. He came in uh, after I started as well. I've been here when I started wow, here. You're, right, you're like the. Uh, the leader of the pack on uh, the rum, Rosetta Stone, I remember the Times <laughs> see if you can translate me uh, no the, uh, the it was Rachel Maddow was on at night um, al yeah. was, Al was still doing the middays uh-huh. um, and it was just yeah so yeah we had a know um, and Steph I mean the on, the only oh, gosh is this true the only person I think that was on longer than I have been is Stephanie Miller And she was on at that point in the mornings. So it's, stuff kind of trumps me, but that's it. Yeah. But was the
0: transition, like you said, your early years in radio, you did a lot of uh, disc jockey work. Oh, yeah. Was the transition into politics hard for you or, and, you know, in in current events and all that stuff that you do here on AM 950, was that a hard transition
1: or was was it seamless for you? The first talk show I ever did, I, I did music radio pretty much up until 1997 and- my first talk show I did, which wasn't really political at all. Um, I did interview political candidates, but we didn't. It wasn't. It was very. We tried our best to be neutral. Right. Was yeah, on yeah. KASI. It was Matt and Moore after four, and I did a two-hour show in the afternoon there. And it was. We were the flagship for the Iowa State Cyclone, so I talked a lot of Cyclone sports. I talked a lot of. I talked a lot of community stuff. Ames is a decent enough town to where it had its own its own vibe and own things. So there's things to talk about there. You know, we'd go do live broadcast at the fireworks, or there are parades going on. We're doing, we're doing that, and so it was. There was a lot of things that we did um, that just kind of gave me the idea of how to do. You know, just do a talk show, which was very important because I knew how to do that, and that actually then got me to the point where uh, eventually I was doing talk radio again uh, when I was at KSTP on the weekends and doing talk radio shows. Then, when Janet called. And I said, well, you know, yeah, then I am doing a very specific type of talk. I mean, in the sense, you know, kind of doing a sports talk. But in this sense, it's not something I think there's a lot of people on the right that do political talk who aren't who aren't really conservatives. They basically know where the bread's buttered, though. And when you look at the amount of money that conservative hosts get paid, there's a lot of guys out there pretending to be Republicans who might not be Republicans, but they're they're doing so for that. I couldn't do that. I, I couldn't do that. No. I, I'd have to do... you got to be your true self. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so I, what helped quite a bit was I had the ability to do my own show. I was my own producer. I set my own guests. I set my own tone. Don't get me wrong. I've screwed up. Ju- I, and I have screwed up and I've had to kind of – At the beginning of, of my show, I was <laughs> kind of like more tentative. I would
0: be reading like this. You know? So you grow into it. Exactly. You, you really do. You and,
1: and, and so to the point now where it's, it's – I, I, I'm very comfortable being this. I mean there's a, there were some people that would look at me and say, Matt, you go down this path. That you're never going to work at any other station in this town. No one will ever touch you because they don't want to hire someone who's known as the political guy, the left-leaning political guy. That's so I, true. I, yeah, I could care less. It's, it's you know, if if today is my last show, I'm very proud of what I've done, and I'll find something else to do. Trust me, I'll, I'll be perfectly fine doing it. It just is. I, I've learned the value of not trying to stifle what I truly believe in, what what I truly represent.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, the well, this is common sense, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you think that the reason there's more um, right-wing radio is because corporations are fun- you know funding them yep. and
1: everything's more into
0: because there used to be Air America, right? And well, Air to- America, this
1: used to be one of the Amer- Air America stations. I-, I can tell you without a doubt what was happening. I mean, you had at one point Air America was actually starting to get traction. Now. I'll be a little bit critical of Air America because I think at their their top levels, not at the station levels, but in their their satellite, they're kind of the overseer lords. They, they were a bunch of progressives who were trying to do radio. And the best way to do this would get radio people that will program a progressive format because then they know what they're doing, how they're doing it, getting this stuff. And I think that there were some mistakes that were made there because they didn't understand the, the niche and the the ins and outs of radio. But mm-hmm. that being said, they were being successful. They were being successful in Los Angeles, Seattle, Boston, across the country. there was all of a sudden a brand new radio network, and it was getting listeners. might not have been top ten one or two markets it was, mm-hmm. but it was getting there. There was multiple times, and i and I'm not going to talk about any individual circumstances, but I am aware of at least two where conservative radio people in those towns would walk into a radio station and say, I'll pay you three times what the station is worth today. And people sold them out. And so what you would see is you'd see a, like, in, I believe it was in Los Angeles, if I remember correctly, you had the you know, a station that was getting pretty decent ratings that was taken off the air, and they put, I think, their seventh or eighth sports talk network on the air, arguing this is going to get us better ratings. Of course, it never did, but the point was never to... To, to to actually make money, it was more to take off the progressives. Because when you look at how this country is today, one of the main key things that has gotten us this way was they got rid of the fairness doctrine to that forced people to have different perspectives on a radio station. Absolutely. They got rid of the they got rid of the ownership rules, which gave us diverse ownership across the country. And then basically there's been an all-out war against the public radio outfits because in many communities the only non-conservative media you can hear is public radio. Mm -hmm. And so they've tried to shut that down. You go through large swaths of this country, they only get conservative voices. That's all they get. They get nothing else. Mm -hmm. And so it is kind of one of those things where it's a – you know, it yeah, of course it is a corporate thing because they have set this thing up. I mean, and this is one of the reasons why they've even flirted with the idea of a tiered internet system, like a cable television system only tiered for the internet because that was the one thing they couldn't anticipate. By the time that they had gotten control of the radio and the TV, the newspapers in many of these communities, all of a sudden the internet started kicking their butt on all those and so what do they do not only had they wasted all their money with this stuff because it was becoming especially in smaller towns where you know fewer and fewer listeners were there but as well then they couldn't stop the spread of information mm-hmm. so this was a lot of this was about the spread of information and one of the things they had to do is get the progressive radio stations off the air i mean there are probably 30 30 30 well and i there's a lot of smaller ones yeah, but I'm talking about major market, major market liberal talk stations. There's probably seven, seven or seven. eight. seven or eight in the major markets. Of the seven. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, that's not that's not that's not public radio or anything like that. So, oh
0: my goodness. Yeah. Well, I think. That's the reason, you know, when you talk about the fairness doctrine, I think that's why this country is so divided right now. I mean, you can turn on Fox News. You're in, like, an echo chamber. Oh, yeah. you, you don't know that um, uh, Donald Trump did X, Y, and Z. They think that he's God. And then if you watch MSNBC, which they, they, they're they not even left to me, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're kind of, like, straddling the <laughs> the left moderate, uh, you know, genre. Um that's why I think the country's so divided. What, what, what say you about that?
1: Uh, it, it's it. I I w- I had a very interesting front row seat for this all changing. I mean, working in radio and working in small towns. I remember when I was doing morning radio in a few different places that all of a sudden you'd start getting these mysterious faxes. Back then, you'd get these morning news faxes, and boy, Bill Clinton's horrible again. You know, as long as these like, things. And what would be funny is you'd get this thing and it was just, you know, wacky stunts and bits and all these things. And then, of course, these very, very pointed political points. And then at 945, at the end of your show, all of a sudden they'd send a correction. Oh, by the way, all that stuff we said about Bill Clinton, we found out that's not true. And we take no liability for you basically reading that on the air. That was your own thing. And I was like, wow, there's something really going on here. Um, Joe the plumber just died. There, I, I no, actually—I was going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, Joe, yeah, Joe the Plumber just died. Fox News didn't even point out the fact that his entire story was a lie. The only reason you know about Joe, the Joe the Plumber, is apparently this factual confrontation he had with Barack Obama on the campaign trail in 2008. Mm-hmm. It's not true. He wasn't—he wasn't ready about to buy his own 200, 250000 dollars business. As a matter of fact. He wasn't really even a plumber. He could only work as an apprentice in Toledo, I think it was. And That's then he what could, I heard. Yeah. yeah he, none of his story was true. The entire notoriety of this individual is based on a lie. Then, you know, you can talk about the horrible things that he said about the victims of gun violence on his campaign when he ran for political office and, and, and a few years later. But the reality is, is, is that when you look at the Fox News thing, the reason why Republicans are furious because how dare you point out you're making this political – And I said to myself, I bet you most of these people have no idea that Joe the Plumber was just a liar. He just lied and made it up because as much as the media that they watch covered Mm -hmm. his standing up to Barack Obama, they never once covered the fact that, oh, by the way, he was lying through his teeth. Mm -hmm. And so for them, it probably did seem very political. But the reality is, is no, it was just factual. And that is – there is your problem. It's not just the fact that they – go out of their way to attack the democrats it's that they go out of their way to diminish the faults of the republicans and there's where the real this you know dishonor to this country is happening yeah. is that they are taking true people who are truly not worth our praise as american patriots and basically giving them the cover of ambiguity, of of an anonymity uh, that that they basically can hide from their faults and their mistakes because Fox News just won't even cover it. Yeah, yeah, And that's and that's that's a huge problem when they go out there and they vilify. I mean, I remember when uh, in this town they, they would oh it's the Red Star calling about the Star Tribune. That was that that wasn't because the, the Star Tribune was a communist or left leaning magazine, mm-hmm. but because they wanted to force them to become conservative in an effort to say see we're not liberal and so that's what happened and right. so when they sit there and say oh the liberals at msnbc or the liberals at cnn no that's not because they're liberals there that's because they have to make it seem like well we're we're the only ones that are honest even though they are way off on the right side
0: right right and right.
1: so it, it's all a game you know i like i listened to david packman on um
0: on am 950 i i think he's he should be on TV. He's a star. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like him. I like um, the Young Turks. I listen to them as well. Again, these are all podcasts, though. Mm-hmm. And they have a point of view that's definitely much more left, even of of MSNBC, uh, uh, CNN. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about a lot of issues that you know that, that that pertain to the lgbt community mm-hmm. pertain to the african american community et cetera. and uh, uh, the other the, the, the other ones are a little more pablum to me <laughs> i don't know i i mean i watch them because that's the only game in town but um and of course the matt mcneil show <laughs> not a news show (laughs) maybe you'll have your own
1: TV show someday, you never know I I got into radio when I started working in radio, we edited with razor blades and tape (laughs) Uh, uh, I I never even dreamed of you want to put this on TV I did TV traffic for a while over at Fox 9, and by the way, a great crew. I met Tom Butler, Alex Kendall, mm-hmm. uh, Keith Marler. Just got to know them. They're all just really great people. And I remember every time they do it, because when you're doing it, you're looking at the camera, you see yourself doing this, because that's the it, way you they, do it. You do, yeah. You see, it, it's like, and I'm like, and you're putting this on the air. <laughs> Your standards have dropped, Fox 9. And I'm just going to let you know. I, but I enjoyed doing that. It was. It, it's Yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, the way people digest their product has changed so much yeah, yeah. whereas it used to be with Cedric Adams where everyone turned off the lights at the same time because everyone was listening at the same time on the same radio station mm-hmm. now it's I'll have people that will comment to me oh I listened to one of your shows and you were talking about this when when was I talking about this oh in 2021 oh okay all right well and, and yeah sure I, and I have no problem interacting it just as that people take them in very different increments than they do they used to that's for sure yeah 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 um,
0: so let's, let's go into more depth on the Matt McNeil show. Okay. Okay. Cause I, I'm sure, sh- I mean, this is crazy to even say this, but mm-hmm. <laughs> cause my listeners probably totally listened to your show and, uh, your listeners probably don't even know I'm alive. So that's it's a different, but I have to ask it anyway. Sure. Tell us about the format of the Matt McNeil show. Uh, if, if my guests aren't familiar with it, I'm sure they are, but just you know throw a little tidbit here and there about
1: it um it's I, I i've i do take callers i'll start with that i do take callers but i also fall into the steve cannon the old wcco host who basically you didn't pay me to bring in you know crutches as he used to you know kind of allude to them uh jim rome the sports guy as well he's guys like i can do a show without callers i don't need them it's not that i don't like taking callers it's that i've been hired to do a radio show and, and it's kind of, and, and, and to a point, someone explained it to me one time. It's like when a comedian comes up on the stage and doesn't do a, you know, their rehearsed bit. it's like, so where are you from? Oh, you like, you, you like tacos. Oh, oh, where are you from? You like waffles. How about that airport? Oh my gosh. You know, it's kind of like just riffing on the audience. You know, I, I, I generally kind of try to do my own thing. Now, once again, I, I still do take calls and stuff, but I try to do a, an issue based topic based show Generally, it's a, four, a two-hour show. I kind of break it down into four different segments each half hour. Um, sometimes I'll have a topic that runs a full hour. Sometimes I'll have a topic that's about four minutes. And it just depends on the, the topic. And sometimes, you know, it, it's it's surprising to me where I'll – the stuff that I like, oh, this is going to go great, this is going to go well. And I'll be like, boy, I, I need to get off this topic because it's not going well. But there have been so many times where I'll have a topic where – I didn't think that there were going to be much. And the next thing I know, I'm talking an hour and a half on the topic. And so it, it kind of is for me, there are some people that when they do this sort of thing, and I don't know if it's because I've just done talk radio for so long or what, and that kind of vibe. But I just, I, I think about it doing a product, doing a show in that vein. It's like, I'm going to have a conversation. I'm trying to have a conversation with everyone else, but it's really only from one side of the conversation. And I don't expect everyone to agree with me. I expect. I, I trust me. If I make a mistake, someone will come and mention it to me. But I try to make it listenable, funny at times, inform- informative at times, and relatable. Yeah, I, I personally,
0: do- my favorite part of your show is when you have people calling in and um, asking you questions and or making comments. Oh, yeah. And some of them are really interesting, and others are totally. You know you know, Looney Tune, but, um, for example, <laughs> and keep, I
1: do have a lot of guests
0: too, which I always, I mean, yeah, I have, regularly, about, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we have I, a lot I, of guests as well. So absolutely. But, um, going back to the callers again, cause again, that's fascinating to me. Can you tell us, uh, about some memorable calls you've had over the years that stick in your head that are either way, you know, cuckoo for cocoa puffs or, um, maybe, um, I don't know. I mean, you tell us, I mean, I'll give you, I'll
1: give you two. Yeah, please. Um, I'll give you first of all, um, w- when when Doug Wardlow was running for the attorney general's position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just out of the blue, we had some guy said he wanted, you know, I mean, I, so my producer answers the call, says, here's this person, they're from this town, they want to talk about, boom, Doug Wardlow. And I mentioned something, there was a story I'd mentioned earlier in the first hour about Doug Wardlow. And I said, sure, no problem. And I let the guy go ahead. And very, it it was, he said this, and I just remember saying this, what did he just say? In my mind, I just, I just, he was a kid that went to school or he was an adult now, but when he was a kid, he went to school with Doug Wardlow. And Doug Wardlow, he said, was the meanest bully that you'd ever seen in your life. And that he had other people that could back this up, that this was an allegation that was something that was, you know, being put forward. And we ended up, talking with them for about 20-25 minutes and just sort of like okay so once again you are saying that this has happened but you have you know proof you have other people that will attest to this yes and it became actually a news story completely unintentionally I mean it was I, <laughs> I did love how the Star Tribune said, referred to us as local radio station that's me and <laughs> uh and and in the story but I mean it ended up becoming without any intent and I like I said I mean it's you know, it, it was kind of one of those things where it ended up becoming a major deal because this was this ended up rocking that campaign, and I don't. Oh really? Oh yeah, because remember that was actually that Wardlow first Wardlow um, um, Ellison race was was pretty tight. Yeah, and he and and, and Keith Ellison ended up winning it. I don't know if that ended up being a factor, but it sure didn't help out Doug Wardlow because he was frantically, for the last two weeks of the campaign, talking about I'm not really a bully. Uh-huh. So that I have was... something that I
0: could relate to what you just said, What's a... P- a personal thing that happened to me. So when I grew up, I, like I said, I grew up in New York, and I went to Catholic high school, and you know who was in my class? Scott Baio. Scott Baio? You know who Scott Baio is? Well, of course, Chachi. Chachi. Yeah. The But he's a huge Trump supporter now. Yeah. Well, has been anyway. He was sitting next to me in in class for like three years, until he got into movies and then he got big for his britches, and he, you know, I, we never saw him again. But anyway, cut to the chase. Um, we used to pass our papers back and forth to each other. You know, and you do like a quiz and then you you pass it to the person next to you. He would write terrible things about me. He called me the F word. You know, that ends begins with F and ends with G. Um, he was such a horrible person. He was homophobic, he was racist. um if I went on the sh- if I went on the show, I could rip him to shreds, but I have not. but this is a personal thing and um and when I found that he was a Trump supporter, you know what matt it it really it really fit it really did i I thought about it and I said, damn, if anybody in the world mm-hmm. I grew up with was a Trump supporter, it would be him.
1: That doesn't, you know. I, I think a lot, I think I think a lot of these guys, they, you know, they they really embrace. And let's make sure we understand. When you say Trump supporter, this is not about oh they're a Republican. There have been a lot of Republicans out there. No, who, but there's know, normal Republicans, you know, you know, and then there's there's you, you know, know. I mean, Kelsey Grammer, I would say, is a regular Republican. I think to a point. Um, um oh God, uh, from uh, Die Hard, who is, uh, the guy who's a the guy's going through the mental health problems now. Uh, Bruce Willis. Um, you oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, don't yeah, confuse yeah, yeah, yeah. Trumpians you know, with yes. Republicans. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that it, when you look at that Trump side of it, it's, it's you're looking at people who are clearly compensating for something and they want to believe that their bigotry, misogyny, um, homophobia, um, racism is something noble, that it's not it's not the the, the, the curse of our society that it is. That it's their right, everyone else is wrong. And that's what really Trumpism is, is it's just a, a rallying cry, a, a human dog whistle. For the worst of our society to say we were right all along, you know, yeah, because it was dormant before he came along. You know, yeah. it was always there, but but we used to look at we looked used to look at twenty time losers and say you're a loser. You know, I <laughs> like to say it like that. But it is mean, it was, it was you, you never you 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 know you if you you had used to have the ability to say I'm screwing up in my life. I need to look in the mirror and fix my problems. What Donald Trump did is like no, you don't. There are the bad guys. You're the right one. You're the... And that's why these people can't let this go. It's a is because they've hooked yeah. themselves onto yeah. it. Their entire id, their psyche, everything is built on the fact that I have not been wrong. I am right. The earth is flat. Racism is good. All that stuff. And that's yachty, why yachty, they, yachty, they they yeah. will not give that stuff up. So you're right. Scott Baio being in that vein is is not a big surprise. And it didn't surprise me. No. Um, but you were talking about guests before, and I and that's
0: something I want to bring up as well. Um, you have uh, you've had com- I've listened to your show, so yes. I'm going to go by experience. You've had comedians on your show. Mm-hmm. One particular one that was really funny. I liked him. I forgot. Brill Robert Brill is that his name? Yeah. Okay. Uh, authors, Lots uh, of them politicians. The, you run the whole gamut you know, of, of guests. Uh, can you tell us about some of the most memorable ones that oh, you've sure. had on, on your
1: show? I love Larry Millette, and, and I can't talk enough about him. Now, you, you, some people might know who he is. He used to be the architecture writer over at the Pioneer Press. And he eventually, and he did some great books. Uh, that this was a kind of series you'd see across the country. It was that you know Twin Cities then and now, where they take a picture from say the 1930s and compare it to a more modern day picture, and you'd see what had changed in that time frame. And it was a great book. He also got into writing Sherlock Holmes books, where he's 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 written multiple ones, and in putting him in Minneapolis-St. Paul, which was kind of interesting, and very enjoyable. I, I've always loved talking to Larry Millette. Uh, he was one of my favorite. I, I, I love talking to my regulars. I have people on that make me sound better because they're that good. Uh, my regulars that I have on are Jeff Stein, Cliff Schechter, Jack Rice. Um, when I can get her, Brianna Bierschbach is very good. Uh, you know, the, the Dr. Joe Eastman, my COVID modeling expert, you know, these are people right. that I bring in that make me sound better and I enjoy having them on, um, some of the other single-shot interviews, I remember, uh, Robbie Massey, uh, who was kind enough to join us, he was in Camp 3 when the earthquake hit uh, Mount Everest. So he was up on the mountain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He, they were buried under, I think, two feet of powder at, at that camp that came down, tumbling down the mountain. And then he was stuck, basically, in Nepal trying to deal with this and that whole thing there. Jessie Diggins, the U.S. Olympic gold medalist, we had her on. I felt so fo- sorry for her. Great story, and we we talked to her. She was over, I think, in Norway or Sweden training at the time. She had just released a book in March of 2020, and she was about to go on a book tour. We ended up having about an hour to talk with her. Had a great interview with her, and then everything got canceled because of COVID. And I felt sorry for her, but it was a great interview. I really enjoyed talking to her, and and I and I. You know John Fugelsang, who I've I've had on there. I met him. He's Johnny, great. He's, he's always great. good fun. The 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 MST3K guys, uh, you know Trace Belew and uh, and uh, Bill Corbett. I've had them on. I've actually talked to almost a good chunk of the cast. Of Frank Conniff I've had on the air. Uh, Javis Weinstein, I've had on the air. Uh, Mary Jo Peel, I've had on the air. Wow. Uh, I've had on most a lot of them uh to talk over the years um i you know it's i I would love to talk to mike nelson i would love to talk to 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 joel but you know i I haven't been able to you know to finagle those and then and then just uh you know i i just you know the politicians some of the politicians are great dessa i love talking with dessa i've talked to her a few times um i interviewed scott dibble Dibble. Senator
0: Dibble, nice. That was a get. Yeah. I was. He was so nice. Oh, uh, he, he came up to the tent uh, when we, we were in uh, uh, Pride uh, mm. for AM 950, and he took pictures with us. And he he's just a, he's just a
1: how would you say the mensch?
0: Right. <laughs> is that the term? There there <laughs> are t- so there is a lot of
1: really great politicians out there. Now, granted, I always get the best side of them when they oh, it's Matt McNeil. Hey, like this. But there, you can. I, I'm I'm very good at reading people, and you can tell which ones are kind of very legit. Right. And right, and yeah. overall, most of them are are you know relatively you know there there there's a lot of people on the DFL side who are still that old school politician where they just want to make a difference. They want to do something good yes. and help out if they can. Thank God. Yeah. Well, now we've come to the part of the show.
0: Okay. I like to call The Shift, Okay. Which I have to pronounce the F because then we have problems. All right. Uh, uh, where I shift the questioning away from your personal broadcasting career mm-hmm. and to your opinions on po- uh, politics and current events. Okay. You ready for that? Yes, I am. So it's kind of like a lightning round. So just throw it out, to, you know, throw the ball to me and I'll catch, uh, I'll throw the ball to you, you catch it, excuse me. No problem. Okay, so as of the court recording of this show, Three black Americans were gunned down in cold blood in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm. I'm sure you've heard that. uh, Just because of their race. Uh, The murderer um, posted racist writings on social media and even had a swastika emblazoned on his weapon. Could you believe this? Um, The murderer subsequently killed himself. Now, how can we as a nation prevent further white supremacists from endangering the lives of African Americans? Is there anything we could do as, as a nation, in your opinion?
1: Um... The first thing we have to do is we have to acknowledge the fact that there are a lot of Republicans and pro-gun kooks that look at a known white racist who has put out threats to the black population, that that guy getting a gun is a sign of responsible gun ownership, that that guy painting a swastika on the gun, still responsible gun ownership, and in their mind— The only time it became a bad thing was when clearly the person that we should have never given a gun to used that gun to murder people. Then he became the bad guy. And at the, there's a point where you have to disconnect yourself from the reality that you're giving weapons of mass destruction to psychopaths. That is not responsible gun ownership. And so until we can deal with that and this that's the great evil that the Republicans keep perpetuating on us with the gun laws is that they keep pushing this this idea that somehow some way this is going to be safe and it just is not. We just had another shooting in North Carolina, University of North Carolina, A student goes out and kills him. I don't know if you saw the headline of the student paper where they just printed the text messages from people the students in school with one shooting and how scared they were. I've got three kids. They've had to go through sh- the, these things. It's it's inconceivable how we've gotten to the point where we have decided that society is functioning better by terrifying us in mass yeah. versus just common sense gun regulation. Can I
0: piggyback on that? For, sure. Uh, uh, what is your feeling? I mean, I, I can give you mine, but uh, this is a, this is all about you, okay. Matt. It's all about you. Um, what are your feelings on um, AR, a- 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 AR-15s, I think is the name of the gun, uh, that sh- every mass murderer that we've seen in the news and read about had that gun uh, do you think there's a correlation with that gun or is it just the mind of the person what do you, what is your view about that they are a
1: weapon being used because they can kill very quickly a lot of people exactly the problem we have is that we have people okay so when I, someone sits down to design a gun they are generally doing it for one of three purposes one a hunting weapon that i'm designing this to either be a shotgun to shoot ducks and quail or, or pheasants or i'm using it as a rifle to kill a deer or an elk or whatever and they're drawing it as a hunting weapon mm-hmm. there's personal defense pistols someone's writing it and they're drawing it down when they design it they're designing it for someone to be able to take with them if they feel as if they need to have some extra security sure then there's the third category when someone sits there and draws out an AR-15 or any weapon of their type, they are drawing a weapon which in its nature is designed to kill as many human beings as quickly and as fast as possible. Amen. It is designed to kill multiple from, people from, at in, in combat levels, in war zones. Mm-hmm. And you can put, well, we've taken the auto off. Well, thank God for the bare minimum. You still have a 20 round clip you can smack into that. And mm-hmm. even if I'm pulling the trigger, I can get, even if I have to pull the trigger every time, it will take me 10 seconds at most to mm-hmm. fire off that entire magazine. I can tell you this because I was in the military. There are M16s when I was there. They are weapons designed to kill other human beings. And it's not a, prote- it's not a, a, a self, um, how would you call it? Uh, uh,
0: uh, to prevent you, you from being attacked, it's more like an a- offensive weapon. Oh, it is. You're, you're, you're using it to kill people. Uh, if somebody robs your house, I always mm. talk about this on my show. If somebody's robbing your house, if you have a handgun in your in your in your box next to your mm. your your bed or whatever, you pull it out and you walk around to see if there's somebody. Who? How many people are going to come into your house? Could fifty people be robbing your house? Did you need an AR-15 mm. to protect your house? I mean, it's so bizarre to me. I don't
1: understand that concept of why you need that gun. Just, I, I, two, I, two stories on that one. One, they just had a, a kid. Um, I can't remember the college. He went to the wrong door. And the oh, guy yeah, pulled yeah. out some, uh, an AR-15 and plugged him full of rounds. You know, junior in college, mm-hmm. A student, just by all means like this. And the guy said, I didn't mean to kill him. I said, wait a minute here. You pulled the freaking trigger on an AR-15. What do you mean you didn't mean to kill him? Mm-hmm. You, intent, you you If you ever fire a gun, you're trying to kill somebody. Last 4th yep. of July, not this one that was here in 2023 and 2022, I was out at the Edina Parade. My son was visiting. He has a lovely girlfriend. He was down visiting in Chicago. Um, I get a call from him, and I just say, Dad, just want to let you know before you see the news, we're okay. We're okay. He was in Highland Park when the psychopath on the top of a roof of a building opened fire and slaughtered a bunch of people at a 4th of July parade oh, in Chicago. I can't you you're a broken person if you literally think that this is what the founding fathers wanted no. in any capacity. you are just a broken person. Weapons of war should not be in the hands of everyday people mm-hmm. and they just should not be something which is 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 taken lightly in any capacity. Mm-hmm. you know it it really is the great travesty if we have. We have all these guns in our society, and yet so few people understand what they actually do. Yeah, and, and it's the
0: rounds too. You can, well, yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you, if you had an AR-15 that only held three rounds, see the difference? Do you, you know, do, well, it, it, I will say this it,
1: though, but an AR-15 though, by the style of the weapon, it is, it's designed to take one, even just one bullet. Is going to go through you and do an insane amount oh, of well, damage. Yes, you know, I, Absolutely. I, I I've, yeah. I've always said this. I have no real problem. I grew up with hunting weapons. I grew up in a hunting family. Yeah, I have yeah, no me too. I don't have any problem with hunting weapons. I, I wouldn't have one, but I don't have a problem with a personal defense pistol. I don't either. But it's, it's these weapons that were designed to be used by ukrainians trying to stop russians coming into their country yeah that is not you that's know that's what you're, i heard yeah, yeah that's you're saying that that's something you want on the streets no when i go to a freaking Lunds or a barley's that i'm gonna have to deal with johnny psychopath over there mm-hmm. they just had they had some people that were shot Guns are dangerous. A woman brought a gun, a gun into Comiskey. It's not Comiskey Park anymore, but where the, the White, White Sox, House? the White Sox play, where the sorry. White Sox play, and you know the gun went off and shot two people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, accident, completely accidental. If you don't understand what these things are, you should never be even allowed near them. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's part of the problem. we And have lots as well. of children are going in their parents. Um,
0: um, finding guns in the house yep. and killing themselves so- It's just its just awful. Anyway, mm-hmm. moving right along. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's exciting subjects we have on the Downright Upright show today. <laughs> uh, as you know, the twice impeached former president. Yes. We, you knew I'd have to touch on that, mm-hmm. right? Was recently indicted, booked, and mugshotted uh, in the state of Georgia for his role back in 2020 in the preventing of a peaceful transfer of power And this was his fourth indictment, by the way. It wasn't the first, second, or third. It was his fourth. And his mugshot is all over. I have friends that have his face as their profile picture, which is absolutely insane. I would never do that. But that's how, uh, you know, this is just getting so crazy out of hand. Mm -hmm. Can you give us your thoughts on this unprecedented—I like to use that word because I could never have dreamed in my life that we'd see a
1: a president's mugshot— (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I kind of saw this coming. I, you know, in 2016, I remember after the election in 2016, staying up all night looking and looking at the ceiling and saying, well, what did you guys just do? You brought someone, I mean, there's always been that Simpsons joke of the unqualified president, but the reality is it's, we actually put someone who was a narcissistic man child who's only looked at everything in his life of how can it benefit me to be the leader of the country.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't surprise me at all. And by the way, we haven't even begun to touch his crimes. He, 91, uh, oh, God, yeah. 91 charges, four, four indictments, you know, we haven't even begun to to touch this. It is truly historic times. I mean, we are going to have in 200, 300 years, full college classes on the Obama to probably 2030 era and the, the complete upswell of, of, of all the things that have happened. It, but what you've got is you've got a guy who basically has never been told no his entire life, now trying to be held accountable. The crazy, the the part where for me, which is the saddest, is the, the way that the Republican party, who I didn't necessarily agree with them, uh, I don't agree with them today. I mean, at one point I used to vote occasionally a Republican on a ticket, but to see them today so bluntly and, and, and painfully just uh, tolerate yeah. the worst of this behavior and act like nothing's going on yeah. and then say, and even though we don't have a crime, we need to impeach Joe Biden. So like, do you guys even hear yourself anymore? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, are, I mean, are, are you at the point of throwing people out of windows like Putin? Come on, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, well
0: I always tell my listeners Hunter Biden is not running for president.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, there's no connection to um, what he did. First mm-hmm. of all, he was on drugs he was, he was a, you know, he had a lot of problems in his life. Um, they found his laptop. I don't know how they found his laptop. That's another story in itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, he went in to put it, didn't he uh, send it in to get it fixed or something?
1: And and they just sent it
0: to the FBI or sent it to oh, the they, they, they made copies
1: themselves, it, it sounds like this. But, but remember, too, this is that when you look at Hunter Biden, you're just looking at this is the game plan really since Kennedy. Yeah, um, which is you know, vill- you know, attack the the when you can. They really didn't, and when Johnson, they didn't really go after too much of his family or Obama because they really couldn't. Yeah. Um, right. They they they, they, could they, not. they they tried every once in a while to say, well, there's this distant relative we're, we're going to do it, but they couldn't. Yeah, remember but that. Yeah. Billy, Billy <laughs> Carter went after Billy Carter. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh yeah, They yeah. tried to go after Chelsea quite a bit, and as a matter of fact, got a lot of bro- blowback. Uh-huh. But you know, guys like Rush Limbaugh thought it was hilarious making fun of the little girl. You know, they thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and and now here with 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 Hunter Biden, par for the course. It's just course, it's just yeah. as they can't attack Joe Biden because Joe Biden is pretty much freaking spotless. You know he's yeah he's older he's been
0: around so many years. If it, they had something on him, wouldn't they have? They to come would. Out they
1: on they, they don't have a thing on him, so yeah. they basically have to try to make anything with Hunter Biden work. And that's kind of it tells you everything when. When okay, so let's do this. Let's go backwards. Hunter Biden. That's why they can't attack Joe Biden. Hunter Biden. Trump. There's you know a buffet of inadequacy. Yeah. You know. Um, you know they they basically Obama was they just kept saying look black guy that was their entire whole thing. He's a Muslim. You know, I mean, black know, black that. Muslim. That's yeah. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know George. You know George W. Bush. Come on. Man. Um, oh, B- Bill Bill Clinton, Chelsea Clinton, his fares, Oh, he's horrible. Monica Lewinsky. They they blew up all those things. And granted, he he did some bad things, but he still was a relatively good president. George H W Bush. You know, it's you know he got held accountable. Reagan was a horrible guy. I mean, so you you got you, you know they they're just they're they're double standard here. Their ability to ignore the absolute undeniable problems that their own people have, while at the same time. Making up fake realities about the other people on the other side—that's that's really the travesty.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, I have to ask you this question too. This is this—I I can't make this stuff up, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You d- did you see the uh, Republican debate? Um...
1: <laughs> I wanted to watch something with a little more dignity, <laughs> so I watched Cocaine Bear on Amazon. It was okay. Catch oh, this. My God. It was a bear. That took a lot of cocaine. Uh, oh, yes. Okay. It, 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 was well, like watching, it was like watching a 1970s concert tour out there. I got news for you? <laughs> no, I did, you? I did see a lot of that. <laughs> I did see a lot of that debate.
0: This this Vivek, that rhymes with cake guy, yeah. he said that... Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy. Yeah. What did they call him? Ramashw- He's very shmarmy. Ramaswamy, I think my friend calls him. He literally said... Point blank, climate change
1: is is a hoax. Oh, and it, did you see what it, happened with the independent voters when he did that? Oh, yeah, the line the, went. Right yeah, it didn't down. go down. It just dropped. Because the, a lot of it. young people are not going to put up with that.
0: It's their this future. Is, you know?
1: I know. I okay. So if you're a Republican today, you really have two paths you can follow. Uh huh. You can change your platform. Uh huh. And say, okay, clearly what the mistake we're making here is we're making a platform that's, that's very ideological, zealotry, religious theocracy, fascist in a way. And this is not generating public support. So we need to change that. Or you can keep going down that path. Generation Z has had it. With I mean, I got three kids in Generation Z. That generation is fed up and they want to vote and they're going to show up. The I you know the, when, what 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 Ramaswamy is doing is basically trying his best to appeal to the the tr- he's trying to pull a Scott Jensen he's trying to appeal to that far right because he knows the election is the the primary is determined by the extremists in the party and then he just got to try to figure out a way to soft sell all of his lunacy that he said beforehand. Yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of what he's doing. He's basically just putting out the the Trump dog whistles and saying, you know, climate change is a myth, and we need to make sure, you know, women don't have a choice, and outlaw the LGBTQ community. And he's going to say all that stuff, and then it's going to be like, awful. I don't know where you got the idea I'm against climate change. Well, here's your thing. It's like you you edited that. That's not real. And the the reality is is there's so many people on the Republican Party side. That's all you have to say. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't real. You know. Well, he literally <laughs> is now in second place.
0: He he usurped uh, uh, because he's being more Trump than yeah he's being more Trump he's being more l- lunatic than 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 DeSantis is and and the thing that really bothered me more than the the climate change is a hoax thing did you hear what he said about the Ukraine yeah he said Ukraine I would stop giving them money. For arms to protect themselves. Now, do you want to be a Neville Chamberlain in the, in, a, in a world
1: of Hitler's? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Nikki Haley. Give Nikki Haley credit. She came out swinging. It's like, wait a second. This is one of our allies. What are you talking thank about? We God. Don't, yeah. Well, that's the one, that was the highlight of the debate to me when
0: she said that to him. I really, I really enjoyed that.
1: I'm going to say something very delicately here, mm-hmm. but this is a real thing. Ramaswamy, I don't think has a chance. I don't think Nikki Haley has a chance. I don't think Tim Scott has a chance. And the reason why is because because this goes through red America, deep rural America, Mm -hmm. where there is just this – even – and a lot of people on the right is a tolerance for racism, bigotry, and misogyny that I think that it becomes very difficult for the Republican Party – if you are, I mean, it's one thing to say, "See, we had these people running for president," but at the end of the day, if you have someone um, like a, you know, um, yeah, I, I, you know, maybe I, I don't think it's going to be Pence, I don't think it's going to be DeSantis, but if you have, you know, if there's a if a, there's a white guy on the ballot, they're going to go for the white guy, and I think that even if Trump Trump could be locked up in, you know, stocks in the town square, they'll still put him out there as the nominee because. That is what this party has become.
0: Yeah, Tim Scott and, and Will Hurd have no chance. No, I mean they're African American, and the party's just not there.
1: No, they're just you know, not. And it's I think, not there. And, it's, and, I, and I've been out in rural Minnesota, and I've, I'm a big white guy, and people are going, hey, let me tell you what I know, and you're like, whoa. And well, the, big, the big mistake that Will Hurd made when he
0: was on CNN, did you, I don't know if you've seen that interview. No. My friends in the LGBT community are being abused and. Oh God, you're done now.
1: Well, it's and that's the reality. <laughs> they don't want a moderate. They want they want they don't someone, want they, they want someone who is that's and Ramaswamy is that's why he's 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 going out there and and talking the way he is is because he knows that's the path to get the nomination. Yeah, he's hoping Trump goes to jail. And if Trump goes to jail, him, Trump Pauls yeah. he'll be he'll, he's hoping there. But I still think at the end of the day they'll be like oh who is the front oh him. Oh, do you happen to have a white guy? And that's that's your standard <laughs> Republican. Is there a white guy available? Yeah. I would like to get the white guy because that's exactly. going to be the Exactly.
0: That's uh, that's
1: that's true. That's I, just, so I think true. I mean, I mean if, if, if if Nikki Haley might have a chance? I mean yeah, I I would, I, would say, I would say this. I there she are makes there are, too much sense. I don't think it would I don't would, think so either. Yeah. I think there are some candidates on the right that if they actually could ever get rid of this the 800 pound orange gorilla on their back <laughs> that they could actually maybe make a run for it and actually might be able to knock off Biden. Mm-hmm. The problem is that for Republicans you they don't want moderate. They don't oh, want anything no, in the middle no, road. No. They want they'll tolerate you doing that after the primary just to get elected, but when it comes to going up to the primary, they want you basically Talking like Putin, chucking your enemies off the 12th floor of a building, and that's called leadership. And until then, they're like, oh, well, then after that, it's like, okay, fine. I know you're about to lie, Mm -hmm. but, you know, that's the Scott Jensen effect.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: Burgosian,
0: uh just died uh, in a plane crash. Yeah, right. No, no, no I no. mean, come on. I, I, do you think he, we're fell, s- he
1: fell in a plane crash right in the middle of firing squad? What are the chances? <laughs> oh was, no! There was a
0: bomb on there, please. I mean, that's me. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm... the
1: plane was filled with water. There was a bomb. There were probably alligators and the firing squad. Oh, what a terrible accident! Uh, terrible. Yeah. You, your Russian, your Russian accent is very good. About. Well, just in case they take over, I'm ready to go. <laughs>
0: anyway, so, uh, uh, as you know, on my show, I, as a gay man, I always try to introduce at least one question sure. that has to do with LGBTQ issues. Then again, I want to personally thank you because okay. I listen to your show a lot. And you always try to prop us up after all the things that are happening that are anti-gay and anti-trans. And so thank you personally yeah. for me to you. You're a friend of mine now. Thank uh, you. My, my I pleasure. I appreciate you.
1: I... I... I I don't understand why people try to to dictate who other people are. Yeah. I mean, I I don't. I I really don't.
0: If you ask any gay person, though, um, Matt, if they were given a ballot when they were born, do you want to be straight or heterosexual? We didn't have a choice. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, you're you're a white guy because you were born that way. I'm a gay man because I was born. I really did not have a choice. Believe me, I tried. I was in Catholic school. I was an altar boy. I did everything I could do to try to you know not think in because I knew I was different from way 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 back Mm -hmm. but the question I wanted to ask you was um, uh, some people have said homophobia is a dead issue and we should put gay rights in the past and stop quote shoving it in our faces I hear that all the time and I find this disgusting but anyway here's the question and this is infuriating recently a California woman was killed uh, for refusing to remove an LGBTQ rainbow, a pride flag from outside of her store. According to her longtime friend, she was adamant that she would never take it down because she was a proud ally. The woman, Laura Ann Carlton, remember her name, uh, God rest her soul, wonderful woman, was fatally shot outside her clothing and home decor shop. It was called Magpie, I believe. Uh, the shooter, Travis I think it's Ikiguchi was his name, um, was killed by deputies after he opened fire on them short time after the murder. According to the San Bernardino County Sheriff, Shannon Dickus, his name is the sheriff, uh, the killer had posted anti-LGBT content on a social media platform. Can you give us your thoughts on this story in particular and what you believe it will take to prevent further attacks to the LGBTQ community in the future?
1: I'm not sure what her community was like. The fact that she herself was, you know, just being herself, you know. She lesbian. wasn't even gay. She was, she, was, she, was, she was fulfilling her First Amendment rights, but free speech, being able to hang a flag.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The, the thing I've, I've – when I see a story like this, one of the things that always usually comes in conjunction with this, unfortunately – is a community where this kind of bigotry and anti, uh, anti-gay anti agenda is tolerated as different opinion. You're talking about people saying, I'm going to kill somebody if they don't take a flag down. If you said, if you don't shut your, down your synagogue, I'm going to shoot that rabbi. No one would tolerate that. No. Why? Because it's you don't just basically because you dislike something tolerate that mm-hmm. but i have noticed this trying of finesse depending on the community that they're in that sometimes they'll tolerate this this is a guy without a doubt in my mind he's probably immersed himself in the extreme far right online his extreme far right news he probably has gone in there and The mistake we make is thinking that when someone clearly is a problem, we can just say, well, that's just, we'll have to agree to disagree. No, this person had intent. And there's a lot of people I imagine in that town right now saying, well, I didn't mean for him to go kill somebody when I basically said his his diatribe of hate was just a differing opinion, but you have to, we have to find our spines and just common sense look at people. When you look at someone who's out there, I'm sorry, if I was outside of that, that that store and I saw this clown out there threatening him, I would have gotten in his face. What the hell are you doing, you punk? And, you know, I'm not saying he wouldn't have pulled a gun on me, but I sure as heck wouldn't have allowed him to start threatening other people just because he is driven by hate. The people that think that we shouldn't be dealing with these issues, these are the issues of our time. And I am not saying – we clearly have still a long way to go in rights for the the Jewish community, the black community, the Native American community. Holy God, we have just started down those paths. Mm -hmm. But we're realizing, as you said, people are born gay. That's like discriminating against someone because they have blonde hair. You don't just do that that this is, this is our, I'm hoping we are at what I like to call a grand awakening, where it's not just the fact that we tolerate and we understand and we accept and we welcome as we should, but we also condemn the hate, vilify the hate, drive out the hate. You want to be hateful, you go be that in your own house And do not come around here and do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And the problem I have sometimes when I hear stories like that is I get I guarantee you there's someone that probably knew this guy was like this, knew that he was trouble and just didn't take it
0: seriously. But the hate thing is is one thing. But to carry out violence because you don't. But, you know, I have to be honest. And I'm sure you have in your life. You hated somebody. You may have had a. Person that came across your life one day and said, "Y'all don't like that guy." Or I don't like Brett, my producer. That <laughs> <laughs> no, we love Brett. Uh, yes, we do. But uh, I know this is a, a going off on a tangerine here, but mm-hmm. I think if you don't like somebody, don't like them. Ignore them. Don't go and... It's and a big country. Commit violence. <laughs> I mean, it's so sick. But Have any-
1: you been to Idaho? You can go to Idaho. There's plenty of open spaces. Exactly. Nice mountains. Go build a cabin. Be by yourself. Uh, you don't... It, it's, it's, thank it's, you. It's this... You, we... You know, if... I, I can't... We are getting to this point where the, the right knows they're losing. Yeah, yeah. And they're encouraging this stuff. They're encouraging. Well, if we can't win the good old fashioned way, yesterday I posted a, a guy basically saying it's time for us to mm-hmm. to put aside the Bible and the Constitution and solve things with the guns. And I'm like, okay, there you go. You know, it's yeah. you know, I reported him and did all these things. It's this is where they're at because if you can't win, it's the it's the deranged ex boyfriend mentality. Yes, it's the well, if you're not going to like me this way, well, you're going. I'm going to make you like me. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, and, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and I'm not making light of, you know, you know domestic violence issues or this. I'm like this. But that's it. I mean, that is it. It's right, these right, right. these people that I'm going to force you to like me. Yeah, yeah, And if you don't do it one way, I'll do it the other way. That's where we're at. Yeah. And that's what this guy was. I guarantee you there are probably people in that community that were there and at no point saying, well, if you just don't like being there, there's plenty. Have you seen Alaska? There's plenty of places <laughs> in Alaska. You will, The only thing you'll ever see is a bear. Knock yourself yeah, out. Yeah, Greenland. It's pretty good. Um,
0: so, before we close out the show, Matt, um, is there anything you want to tell the audience, or uh, any issue you want to bring out, or anything you want to close the show with on your I, a, a note that you want to hit today?
1: Yes, okay. if I if I may, you may. <laughs> Minnesota kickspot. Oh, yeah. Minneapolis-St. Paul is amazing.
0: Trifecta. Absolutely.
1: It, 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 it's, it, it, is, it is just an amazing place to live. Love it. We've got great parks. We've got great schools. We've got a lot of great businesses. We're very lucky. We have, we, we have a quality of life that most other communities don't have. It infuriates me. That the right has so little in this country, in this in this state, to to bank their hang their hat on to bank on as far as this goes, That all they can do is hate Minneapolis, hate Minnesota. Don't allow them to. No, you hear that? You hear that being said? Call them out. Because if they really hate it here, why are Are you here? here? (laughs) (laughs) You can move at any point. You only have
0: for your moving van. Well, you want to leave.
1: You have one trip on this spinning rock. You got one trip on this thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why are you spending your time miserably? Yeah. And so either it's all talk and rhetoric because you don't have anything to win your political argument, or you really hate it here. Needless to say, both of you get your asses out of my state because this is a great place to be and a great place to live and if you can't appreciate that well then you need to go spend some time in arizona and florida and texas and then come back here and say wow oh, thank god i'm back up here because i know a lot of people that have done that
0: that was a great w- way to end the show thank you matt that was fabulous thank you sir. and i want to thank you so much for coming on the downright upright show i mean like i said i'm you know, full disclosure, I am a big fan. I love your show. Um, and you're doing a great public service. Um, so thank you on behalf of every LGBTQ person uh, on on the planet. My listeners love you, I'm sure. And... Um, To catch The Matt McNeil Show, by the way, on AM950 Radio, tune in at 3 o'clock from Monday through Friday. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. And for more information on how to listen to The Matt McNeil Show in podcast form, just go to am950radio.com and you'll... pick any episode you want and you could listen.
1: iTunes has it. You have it on SoundCloud. You have it iHeart. all your favorite places. Yeah. You can find us on, uh, the uh, Matt McNeil show, progressive citizen X on Facebook, on, on Twitter, on blue sky, on Mastodon, on threads. We're pretty much everywhere. <laughs> so you can, fi- you can find us. You're omnipresent. let it, put it that way. I'm a lot busier than I used <laughs> to be. I'm going to be honest with you. This is a rip off on the old social media. How many sites do I have to run now? Yeah, great. And well, on a personal note, uh, uh, uh,
0: I'm going to end the show by saying, um, I wish every human being in the world had your attitude i really do and i'm I'm not blowing smoke in your face you're amazing thank you for everything you do um i personally would love you know you to come back on the show in the future someday really
1: quick if we can I was going to be on your show, and then yes. I got hit by a truck driver. And this was after we had to reschedule like three times. And I said to myself, "Oh no, this yeah, is yeah, this yeah. is not I'm what I wanted." So, I'm so
0: first of all, and another thing, I'm so glad you're better. You look I'm, great. Thank you. You're very mobile. You're, you're 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 got all your limbs. You're doing great. I'm doing well. Um, and God bless you. And thank I you. appreciate everything you do. And um, and to the listeners, thank you for spending time with us today. Uh, Please stay tuned for more of the Downright Upright show in the future. This is your host, Philip Anthony, saying ciao for now.